Welcome to episode 253 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent and Jason here as always. And this week we've got Brian Tishy returning already. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, nothing wrong. I mean, this is the quickest uh, return, quickest return we've ever had, right? Even on people that are local that are easy to get returned. Yeah, no, this is, <laughs> we, we, went, we went all out. Yeah, he was just on episode 242. Talking about Silverthorn and tons of other stuff he's been involved with. But the reason he's back now is because A Farewell to Kings is his project, his Rush-centric project that they did as a tribute to Rush. And they just released a song after Neil Peart passed away. Yes, and uh, we're here to, yeah, we're going to roll through all that. Yeah, yeah we're going to talk about that here in just a bit. Before we get into that. We need to let you know that we're sponsored by MedFarm and DEB Concerts. MedFarm is a dispensary located in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma at 24683 East Highway 51. They're right there off the highway. You can't miss them. They've got a huge selection. So get in there. Check them out. They've got a doctor on site every Friday and Saturday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. They also run specials all the time. So if you follow them on their social medias, you won't miss any of that. MedFarm, Farm is spelled P-H-A-R-M. You'll find them on Facebook at MedFarm, on Instagram at MedFarmOK, and their website is MedFarmOK.com. You can also find all their products on Leafly.com. And if you tell them that you heard about them on Thunder Underground or mention our name, they will give you 10% off your order, which is very cool. And what's even cooler than that is that their slogan is Cannabis cannabis with a Cause because 30% of their proceeds are going to build no-kill animal shelters. And they've got one already in the works. They've got land purchased with the building on it, and they're working on getting that set up. So as soon as that's done, we'll tell you about it, because that's badass. Of course. So get into Med Farm and tell them we sent you. Also, DEB Concerts is a promoter right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He keeps bringing in kick-ass rock and roll to downtown Tulsa at the Ideal Ballroom and the BOK Center on occasion. They had a show last spring at the BOK Center with Snoop Dogg and Nelly, and now they've got another show that they're going to announce soon at the BOK that's going to be a rock show, so be on the lookout for that. Follow them on Facebook or debconcerts.com so you don't miss that announcement. They've brought in tons of acts like Sebastian Bach, Tom Kiefer, Warrant, Last in Line, Saxon, Dockin, so on and so forth, and now they're bringing in Buck Cherry, February 22nd. Coming up on that here in just a week and a half. That show's also got Fist of Rage and Grind opening. Hit them up for tickets if they even have any left because they've been selling a lot and this thing's tickets are moving pretty fast. Oh, yeah. So if they don't have any, of course, you can hit up the Ideal Barroom or DBConcerts.com to find the link for that and get your tickets. Eddie Trunk will be hosting it. You don't want to miss this. No. And on top of that, We'll be giving away tickets for this show. Hell yes. Very soon. You're, if you're listening to this when it came out in the first couple of days, hopefully, it'll be coming either this weekend or probably by Monday of this coming week. So follow us on Facebook if you do not, so you don't miss that. And DEB Concerts also booked the DNB Processing Stage at the Roadhouse area at Rocklahoma 2020, as they did in 2019 as well. This year they've got Warrant. Hurricane Alice, and Bullet Boys on the pre-party night out there at the Roadhouse. And then the other three nights, they've got Liliac, Lynch Mob, and John Five and the Creatures headlining each of those nights. And each day has bands starting at 1130 in the morning and running up until mid-evening. So if you're going to Rocklahoma, get your ass over there. It's a great time. Hell yeah. And we'll be talking more about that as it gets closer. So huge thank you, DB Concerts. One thing we can talk about real quick. Did you see Joe, Joey? Uh, I almost said Joey Allen because I'm thinking of Warren. <laughs> but Joey Kramer is back in Aerosmith. Back in Aerosmith. Yeah, they, they pulled that together somehow. Yeah, because it was all fake. You think so? Yeah. Since it happened so quick, that makes me really think that now. You you always have the conspiracy theories and the... Right. Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I love you, Trent, but you don't have faith in anybody. 
You know, it's always like, ah, it's bullshit. It's all fake. It's all (laughs) just, you know, trust in the fact that maybe, you know, good prevailed this time. Well, okay. I mean, it did because he's there, (laughs) but whether it, the means of how it happened is real or not, whatever. But what do you mean it's all fake? The whole, the whole thing was fake just to drum up publicity for him. Yeah. Around the, around the Grammy. Just a PR stunt thing. Yeah. Around all that stuff. Just more. And I mean, it did. It gained, garnered a lot of. Oh, yeah. They were on TMZ and all kinds of shit. Yeah. So, I I mean, who knows? Maybe not. Uh, Yeah. I don't, I don't know. That's a, that's a good theory. That's a good theory. I mean, (laughs) didn't you mention this the last time we talked about it? Yeah. Here a few couple weeks ago. Who knows? I mean, (laughs) and I said the same thing, you know. I can see him doing that, but at the same time, they're Aerosmith. They don't have to do that. So, but at the same That's time, true. nothing surprises me. It's you know, now you got me thinking. Fuck. Well, whatever. <laughs> but he's back with him. He's rocking and he's roasting. There you go. <laughs> rocking and roasting. That's right. <laughs> Didn't you buy that stuff? No. Or no, that was someone else's. Somebody coffee. else. I don't know that they had. I don't. I don't never. Yeah. Didn't you order someone's coffee at one point? Was it Charlie Benante's or no? No, I I I've been tempted to at times, okay. but I haven't had I have not had any celebrity coffee. Okay. I just I just have the Walmart kind. All right. I'm I'm a broke dick most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of being a broke dick, like concerts keep getting announced. God damn. And uh <sighs> importantly for rock and metal, we got a a pretty badass lineup of Megadeth. Lamb of God, In Flames, and Trivium. That's right. That's that's one hell of a four-band bill. And it's not just like a lot, you know, in recent years, bills like this are like, you know, a month. Mm-hmm. This thing's like fucking half a year. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. like, I mean, I know there's a gap of like a month or a month and a half, but literally it starts in what, July, I think, June or July, and goes into like October and November. Yeah. And I mean, they're hitting all over the fucking place. If yeah, you're in the are. Midwest, I mean, they're hitting... Kansas City, St. Louis, Dallas, uh, I think Houston, Rogers, Arkansas, Springfield, Missouri. They're leaving no stone unturned. Yeah. And I like how, you know, I said, well, you know, Chris Broderick isn't in flames now. <laughs> right. You know, because they needed a guitar player and acted defiance. Probably wasn't really paying the bills. I don't know. You know, whatever. Um, so, but so are they going to be cool with Chris Broderick being on the tour? I guess so. And then you, you fucking smartass, came back and said, well, they should get Chris Adler to play drums. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, but so, I, I doubt all that will happen. <laughs> no, right. Well, yeah, just think this, this is a co-headline tour with both of Chris Adler's bands. Yeah, it is, isn't it? And it's that too. Yeah, it's just all, <laughs> it's just all when, it's just all one big butt pile, isn't it? Yeah. Jesus. Well, Dave Mustaine is good to go, so and that's a hell of a lot of dates. So very important. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully, all that runs smooth and everything. I'm sure it will. He's good to go. I, I'll be there. You'll be there. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, I think you decided you're going to Dallas, right? Yeah. Yeah. We we pulled yeah. the trigger and uh, got a couple tickets to the Dallas show. Yeah. Because it's on a weekend that works better for us. So, but but you know. The beauty part of it is, for around here, there's there's more than one places you can catch it at. Yeah. You know, you can go to Springfield or Kansas City. There's Dallas. I mean, shit. Right. You know, and, and so that's really cool. And I think just today was announced, like, Deftones are going on tour with Gojira. Gojira, yeah. Which is pretty badass for yeah. Gojira. Even <laughs> exactly. I'd, I'd much rather... <laughs> Much rather see Gojira headlining, but I yes. mean this this is good for them because they're going out with a band that will fill up places on their own. Of course. So hopefully this will I mean, I can't I mean I know Gojira's been touring in America a lot in the last few years, mm-hmm. but you know, it's good for them to get on with like a a popular band, I think. Of course. So But yeah, and then we got Raging's Machine announced their oh, tour. Man. And uh, Yeah, get your wallets out. Fuck. Yeah. Chris and Chris Robinson announced their acoustic tour leading up to their actual tour. Anyway, there's other ones I'm just forgetting right now. Yeah, there's uh, Rival Suns just announced. Oh yeah, a spring tour. Um, Is it coming around here? I didn't even. Look. No, I Aust- oh. or Austin or El Paso, I think, or a fucking oh, shit. I can't even remember now. Rival Suns, the the number one album of 2019. Oh man, for those of you that are not aware, amazing, amazing record. Feral Roots. Yes. 
Yes. So good. <laughs> All right. Well, let's just talk about Brian Tissue here for a second. Let's do it. In case you didn't listen to episode 242, you need to do that as soon as you finish this one. But Brian Tishy is the drummer for Silverthorn, which is a brand new band, and their debut EP is coming out here in like two weeks. Yeah. comes out February 28th, the last Friday of February. And we actually played a track here a couple months ago. You can find a couple tracks already on Spotify, so check those out. It's really good stuff. And he's been in like, I mean... You can just start naming off bands. This guy's played, he had a lengthy stint with Billy Idol, a lengthy stint with Foreigner, a lengthy stint with Whitesnake. He played for Ozzy for a year. He played for, he was the drummer for Pride and Glory. We just recently had on James Lomenzo. Then he followed that up with being the drummer for Slash the Snake Pit. He was... uh, of course, I could rattle off all this shit, but now, obviously, Vinnie Moore, we talked about that here in the interview. And yeah. A ton of stuff, but if you just, like, you know, Google Brian Tishy, in case you're not aware, this guy is one of the best drummers in rock and roll. Yes, And is. that's not just us doing lip service here because he's on this podcast. That's just a fucking fact. That's right. That is right. I fortunately had the opportunity to see him with Whitesnake, like, three three or four times, so. Yeah. And, and you know, he, he's got his... uh like you said, a Rush-centric uh, project called Farewell to Kings. And uh, we talk a lot about that. It's very, you know, uh, Neil Peart-leaning episode. Yeah. So, and, and this this track, Huck Finn, I mentioned to you, it's so cool. You know, let's not just cover a Rush song as tribute. Let's just do a song that's ours that is like in the vein of Rush. I mean, that's such, you know, bands don't do that. Yeah. Because especially when it comes to a band like Rush, it's like people probably don't want to attempt that. Exactly. Like they would like want to, but like they're probably you would probably I would be nervous as fuck. If I, was I know I would be. Yeah, <laughs> and, and for them to pull this off and it sounds fucking killer. It's I mean what 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 a great what a great way to to pay homage. Definitely. Well, let's play this track now. This is Huck Finn. <laughs>
Huck Finn from A Farewell to Kings. Like we mentioned, I mean, you'll hear a lot about that here coming up shortly. Like how that all came together. But like Jason said beforehand, you know, how cool is that? That they wrote a song inspired by a band to sound like that band. And they pulled it off and it didn't, but it didn't sound like. Didn't sound douchey. Yeah, it didn't sound cheesy or corny. like Like someone's trying, it didn't sound like Greta Van Fleet trying to sound like Led Zeppelin. You know, (laughs) well, that's probably a little pushing apart because, you know, as much as I rag on Greta Van Fleet, they're good at what they do. You love them. (laughs) But you know what I'm saying. It's like, it's not like the vocals in this sound like Getty Lee, but not to a point that if if Mm -hmm. I just heard this this vocal on something else where the music didn't sound like Rush, I think it would take me a second before I'd think, oh, that sounds kind of Getty Lee. Yeah. You know, so it's not like extreme, but everything else in the, I love how in the music they, you know, like, especially we're talking to Brian Tissue, so the drums, you know, he had all the kind of Neil Peart kind of eccentric stuff going on, obviously. Yeah, exactly. And just the bass and everything. Hearing his stories about how it shaped him and, and just, you know, even even singling it down to like favorite drum parts. I mean, that was great. That was that was cool to hear about. Yeah, and like you you mentioned to me like right after we hung up, got done talking to him, like how cool is that that we got to talk, you know, like literally one of the best drummers in rock and roll about arguably the best drummer in rock and roll. Exactly. And you know, so and this is a a timely subject, you know, cuz everybody's been talking about Neil Peart since he passed away, yeah. as they will forever, because Rush is like a massive band, an amazing band. So, and Neil Peart, quite an was, honor. yeah, Neil Peart was the best drummer I think that ever existed. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not fucking around. So, <laughs> right, I, I, I can't argue that. But Usually, I like to argue with you about that kind of stuff. But you can't, you know, you can't argue. Yeah, on that one, <laughs> that's right. Ricky Rocket. Okay, stop. Okay, just go. Okay, yeah. Ricky Rocket's <laughs> good though, so I'm not I'm not saying that yeah. as a joke. But I just you, wanted I wanted to bring someone up from a band that I knew you would like. Be like, what the fuck? You bring got to fuck. We're talking. <laughs> this is this is an episode about Neil Peart, and you bring up fucking Ricky Rocket. I mean, just just get a, just get a fresh set of sheets. I did it, that in case hey, uh, Josh Baker's listening. Get a fresh set of sheets because this episode just shit the bed, dude. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> Right. Thanks, Trent. All right, sorry. I retract all that. No, should you I don't. cut it out no, you or should I leave this don't. in? Oh no, you're leaving it in. <laughs> okay. Okay. All the hate mail, everyone, send to Trent. Yep. It's uh Jason Paulwood at gmail.com. You son of a bitch. Oh yeah. Well, that's yeah. your old email. Yeah, somewhere. that's my old one. So yeah, go go yeah. see see no. where that takes you. Deep Thunder Underground at gmail.com. Yeah, if anything, whether it be that email or Facebook or YouTube or anything. You know, comment, even if you're if you're not a fan of what we're talking about. We love it. You know, because right. speaking of, I've just seen, I meant to tell you, there's been a couple comments on our YouTube video of uh, our interview with Reed Mullen. Speaking of drummers that passed away. Yeah. And, you know, just like someone just commented yesterday, this was a great interview. So That's great. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, I noticed, like, because I kind of looked at where it was at, like, the episode after he passed away and... I know on SoundCloud it's jumped up like 50 listens, and I think YouTube, you know, the same. So, because people are searching, you know, how they do after someone passes away. But. Exactly. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. Well, let's get into this now. Here's Brian Tissue from Silverthorn and a farewell to Kings. the idea a while back could have been a year and a half or longer just uh driving home from a in a farewell to king's gig which we would do if we're all together in town and could make it happen we're driving home and i I just said uh what you know what if we uh wrote a song sounding very rushish rushish russian (laughs) being that we're uh a rush tribute band love rush so what if we wrote our own song and uh, and I just thought it'd be uh, kind of funny to call it Huck Finn based off of pretty much Rush's 
most famous song, possibly their most well-known song. And uh, the guy, we all just kind of chuckled, like, yeah, that would be kind of funny. And then I was like, why don't we just try it, man? You know, we get together and write and record. So we did, and we, you know, we had a good time writing it. We all came up with ideas together. And then uh, um, just uh, tracked it soon after. And, uh, you know, we were, we were really happy with it. We, we liked it. I mean, I knew, how I, I knew how we'd sound because I knew how the guys play. I knew we would be able to achieve a sound that is similar to the kind of golden era of Rush uh, or that, you know, the era around that moving pictures, you know, the production type sound. And uh, that's what we were going for. So uh, the guys, you know, did some great tracks and uh, we put it together. But then after that, we were like, oh, maybe we should uh, write a couple more. And instead of just being a Rush thing, let's just write stuff like progressive kind of music and see what it sounds like and put an EP together, which that's what didn't happen. So the, the, Huck Finn song sat there for a while, and then we just couldn't get. We did get together and write a little bit, but it just never formulated into more songs and more sessions and, and finished work. So Huck Finn sat there, and then then when we were all shocked and saddened about Neil passing, it was like I don't know a few days later. It was like, wait a second, you know, because it was in January, and I've done Rush tribute shows at, at the Nam Nam uh, weekend, and. Uh, I was like, man, maybe I could put something together last minute, which didn't happen. It was just too much. And you're just you're just bummed about Neil. And I'm okay, you know, even though Rush isn't touring and stuff, it's just, you know, he's, he's not here anymore. It's a bummer and it, it affects you. So uh, I just said to the guys, maybe we should just put the song out, you know. it's uh, I mean, it was it's all about Neil, Getty, Alex, and everything Rush has meant to us. And, you know, I think it's a nice way to celebrate everything Neil, Neil Peart is, you know. So, so there you go. Now that he's passed, it, this is just a, a great way to celebrate his legacy. Yeah, you know, yeah, it was just like, you know, I don't even know if anybody's ever done something like this, like written a song to sound like their favorite band and, <laughs> you know, and all that kind of stuff. It was just, it just seemed funny at the time, but all of a sudden it was something that was way more meaningful to us with Neil passing, you know? Yeah, well... That's what, you know, before before you called, that's what we were just talking about. How cool is it that you didn't do a Rush medley or a Rush cover, but you guys did like a, a song in that same vein. And to do that and not sound corny or hokey is got to be a tough, a tough achievement. And you guys did it big time. Well, th- thank you very much. Yeah, I don't think we would have done anything else outside of we did talk about <clears throat> let's let's get a show together and uh but once again it's always about four people doing you know leading separate lives getting together and trying to you know line it up for a one-off show is <clears throat> excuse me it's not always that easy so uh well we may do that if our schedules line up <clears throat> sorry guys i'm getting over being a little bit sick which is like a rare rarity in the first time in like two years or three years but Anyhow, uh, you know, it, it, so since we couldn't throw any of that stuff together, it was like, wait, this is a perfect opportunity to, you know, to get the song out there. We put the time in. We didn't do it for any other reason other than a love of Rush, you know, and just hoping that other, you know, Rush fans would hear it and dig it and maybe uh, we'd get out there to just, you know, fans of music and they'd say, okay, cool. This is, you know, if they hear the concept behind it, you know, they could kind of... Uh, semi-clever and maybe more than a bit of a novelty and and you know we just uh start with that you know it's like like anything you know you're excited excited by an idea you see it through and you don't know what's going to happen after that you you can uh you know if you if you believe in it and you work it really hard you know maybe it might go somewhere but for the, for us right now it's more let's just throw it out there and see see what happens and and take it from there without any other you know big heavy plans you know tied into it the spirit of of Neil and you being the drummer, did you write the lyrics? I should have pushed for that. Uh, <laughs> I, I should have said, "Hey guys," but um, but no, my, myself and Francesco DiCosmo, the bass player singer, wrote them together. Uh, so yeah, I did have a hand in it, and we did do. He keep we did most of the stuff at my my old studio house. The drums and bass and vocals were cut there. Um, Walter Eno, our guitar player, he cut the guitars at his house and sent them over to me and they, they were they were perfect they sounded amazing i didn't have to do anything i just threw them into the track and was like wow and then uh 
Jonathan Sindelman, our keyboard player, he, he did his track to his house and sent it to me. And he also, same thing. I just turned him on. I was like, awesome. Just stuck him in the track and it was that simple. But Francesco came over for a few sessions, you know, uh, after we had the, the, uh, the, the tracks down, you know, all the music. And, and I do think he had some melody ideas. I had a couple melody things and a couple one-liners just to see if we could, you know, cause we were like, how literally, how literal do we, do we get, do we write strictly about Huck Finn or do we kind of keep it a little bit abstract and just get a vibe out? So, uh, you know, we, we worked, we worked along those lines together and, and uh, just played off of each other and threw melodies back and forth. And, and yeah, so, so uh, uh, we did it together. So, so are there still plans to do an EP and uh, release some more stuff? Uh, yeah, with now with it coming out, it's kind of been like, oh, cool, we 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 got it done. You know what I mean? It took, you know, sadly, it took, uh, you know, one of our favorite drummers, one of the most iconic drummers in all of rock and roll, uh, the, 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 you know, just one of the best ever to to pass to to get us to the point where we put this out. But you know, sometimes that's how it goes, and and uh, so it led us to talking. Okay, well, what can we do? You know. Do it, maybe do another show or, or uh, you know, a Neil, Neil Peart tribute show, you know, where the house band, you know, that, that's, that seems like nice and logical, but that becomes a whole other thing for me and a whole other workload. So, so, uh, but we did talk about writing some more. It's just a matter of, like, like always, man, it's, it's like if you, when you get four people that are working musicians and, you know, you go, what are you doing the next couple of months? Okay. I have gigs these weekends. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm out of town this week, this, these two weeks. Okay, when you get back, this guy leaves for two weeks. When he gets back, then we're all open for two days. But that guy's got, you know, it's like, and then, you know, so sometimes it gets like that. It's like, wow, it's just, a, it's a chore, just to get us all together, you know, because we're not in this, uh, we're not in bands together. We're all in separate projects and working separately. So, so if we can, we will. But um, in saying that, I have like three other things I'm doing that are going to take up quite a bit of time and. Uh, I think the other guys as well each have a, a couple gigs they they juggle. So it's just a it's just a matter of you know, it's it's just finding the time. Well, I noticed after uh, Neil passed that post that you made on your social media about when you were with Vinnie Moore and you guys opened on the Roll the Bones tour. Talk about that experience just as a as a fan of not just Neil but Rush altogether. Yeah, oh yeah, that was uh, that's still a highlight, and it it. Yeah, you immediately. I, I think back. Wow, I was a 23, 23 year old kid when I when we did that, and it was the first time I had ever walked into an arena in the afternoon to to an empty arena. <laughs> you know, be, before that, I was like anybody else. I'd go see rock concerts, and you know, probably saw a hockey game at Madison Square Garden with my dad. You know, something like that. But to walk into an arena, Philly Spectrum. Madison Square Garden when there's nobody there that's just I don't know I, I that's that's an amazing thing I went right to the t the corner of the arena and took a, took pictures at the top corner just like I can't believe I'm standing here that's that's phase one then you go next phase Rush is playing here tonight and their stage is set up next phase of you know sur surrealness is my drums get to go on that stage too. And I'm playing, opening up for Rush. And there's going to be a sold out, whatever, 18,000 people at Madison Square Garden. That, that's, that was just heavy duty, man. And um, I'm glad we got that opportunity. It was, it was simply because our, our manager, I think he managed Eric Johnson. I don't see any other reason how this would have happened. But he said, hey, Eric Johnson has to cancel the last two weeks of opening for Rush. Guess who's opening up now? And we were like, ooh, it was you guys. And we, were, we all were like, what? Because we're, we're, we're traveling around in two vans playing clubs all over the country. And we were somewhere in like New York State. This is December, it's freezing out. And, but we were having a blast playing like six nights a week. And now we get to go down, you know, it was like, and it wasn't like, oh, this happens in, you know, three weeks. It was like, this is in like five, seven days, something like that. It's like quick. And, uh, yeah, so our first gigs, first two nights were at Philly Spectrum, and then two nights at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, so it was amazing, and, and it was, and that was cool enough, right? Even if we didn't meet Rush themselves, that's pretty cool. Yeah. But we did, of course, and they were they were great. They were super nice, and uh, and the, the the highlight of all that stuff was uh, at Madison Square Garden after we sound checked. Neil came on stage, and 
we were standing in front of his drums, and mine were in front of his as well. So we're just standing there talking. And I asked him something about his bass drum. And then he said, have you tried him yet? And I, and that's, it was just like, what? And I go, no. He goes, oh, go ahead. So I just went behind his kit, and he just stood in front chuckling as I did like his, you know, kind of get the good, the good, the, you know, fills and just played some grooves and messed around on it. And his tech uh, turned on all the electronic drums behind him, spun the, spun the riser around, did the whole thing. And I must have been back there five or ten minutes at least. And uh and it was it was just like, are you kidding me, man? I was what, twelve years old, getting blown away by Tom Sawyer in uh, seventh grade. <coughs> now, whatever it is, eleven years later, I'm sitting here at Madison Square Garden. The first first time I saw Kiss when I was eleven years old. Here I am, you know, whatever, twelve years later, playing Neil Peart's drums. So, yeah, man, they they were totally cool. It was an, it was an awesome experience, and yeah, we did ten ten shows with them. And uh, I guess I, I was always hoping one way or another, I and I know he's a you know, pr very private person and all that stuff. And, and I just ho was hoping through one, one way or another, I'd be able to at least uh, have some kind of communication and, you know, years later and just let him know how much of an inspiration he, he's been and uh, an unwavering inspiration. And, and I've always said my top three drummers, it's always been, I don't even know forever is, uh, you know, Bonham, Peart and Van Halen. And, you know, so, so I don't go putting Rush tribute bands together and, celebration events just because somebody told me it was cool it's like it's got to really mean something yeah. just, you know that that's what yeah. it was to me it was like it was it, it, it's heavy because he yeah just like bonham i mean just you know it's like when they when a drummer when something when they they move you in a certain way that stays with you and 30 years later you're still listening to them getting excited in the same way i mean that just says a lot and when you and when you're playing like i don't know about other drummers musicians but there's a bit of me that when i'm playing and i do something quickly a little 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 side note in my head goes ah oh, that was a very that that's a new it doesn't i don't even say it just it goes Neil it's like a warning light that goes off Neil Peart means i just did a little Neil Peart ripoff you know bottom alex van halen michael DeRoser, you know what i mean it's like clive stubblefield you know garibaldi you know it's like constantly good because you need, i know where i got all my stuff you know what i mean you i know what where the inspiration started from you know so there's Plenty of times, even man, this is drummer stuff, but even the past few years, just getting back into Neil in a bigger way and just revisiting all the old records, bootlegs, just all that kind of stuff. Um, I started, you know, ch changing up a little bit of my, my drum solo approach, which was simply back to single strokes instead of combinations, because when I was a kid, it was all single strokes. But then I, I got better and I learned more about technique and I started trying to show off in that kind of way and utilize what I learned, which involved not doing as many things with fast single strokes. But then I started going, but he said, but Neil just sounds amazing with nonstop singles and the flurries and the rhythms he does within that. And it sounds amazing. Who cares if I can do a, a pot of fla fla and do a sex tuplet, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares about that? You know, it's what, what's it sound like is what's important. And to me, the best drum solo in the world is Neil's on Exit Stage Left. So, you know, uh, that, that intro of that drum solo on his, with his, uh, what he calls, oh, geez, he calls it a oh, free snare drum. I don't know, free time. But there's no time. It's just a, 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 just a, just a barrage of uh, snare drum insanity. But it's all single strokes. And uh, for the most part, I'd say 99%. I just see yeah, that's how it, I, into him I got again, just went back and went, yeah, I should do more of that, man. It just sounds great. It's impressive to the audience. You know, who cares about what you know, strokes I'm, you know, you know, what, you know, stroke combinations I'm, I'm playing, you know? So that, that was a direct result of just listening to Neil again. You're talking about recent time, going back to when you're younger, like what kind of impact did he have on you developing yeah. your style? Oh, it was, it was huge because, you know, it, I mean, you can talk to any drummer. It's probably all the same. It's like you, you, you talk about certain drummers and their impact, and it's pretty much all the same, whether it's Neil Peart or Bonham or you just, you just name any of the, the most popular drummers, you know, that are noted as the best. And uh, <coughs> it's something about them moves you, something about them impresses you. But with Neil, it was this focused defined you know uh well thought out 
you know, uh, st style that everything meant something and you were constantly, it was like, it was like opening gifts at Christmas fast, like opening as fast as you could. Here comes another one. Here comes another one. Here comes another, every, at every turn in a rush song, something badass is going to happen on the drums. <laughs> and even if it's not an explosive fill or something, you know, that sounds technically impressive, it's something that accents the music or the lyrics. There's always something. And, you know, so there's so much going on in the drums, but it's not just busyness for the sake of being busy in a way of like maybe, you know, more, you know, you might hear that more in like fusion music or something. You know, everybody's, everybody's playing and everybody's chops are on fire and this and that, but, you know, it's, it's free form, you know, you know, and they're, they're, you know, they're trying to, you know, say something with their instruments, but here we have a rock band playing songs with lyrics and a storyline and killer guitar riffs and awesome parts and Neil's accenting all that within his drumming. And he's the lyricist. So, you know, he's even, he's playing to his own lyrics, you know, and however Getty chose to sing them, you know, so, but all that stuff just hit me. So it wasn't just Neil, it was the whole band. I mean, I love everything about Rush. I, you know, first songs I heard were Limelight, Limelight and Tom Sawyer, you know, and I, and the drum production is amazing. The production of the moving pictures is amazing. And, uh, yes, that was it. I was hooked instantly. And then, so I just learned how to be more precise and of course, learn how to play odd times because you're constantly learning tons of parts that can be in various time signatures. And, and, and it's, it was fun because it was all based around songs. And I love just as much as I love Rush, I love, ACDC for the fact that it's great songs with great driving drums and there's something to be said about playing simply, you know, like constantly playing simply creates another, it's another hypnotic form of expression, you know? So, uh, you know, but I, I love uh, the fact that Rush was still always playing for the music, you know? It was like, not just, okay, here, we're going to showboat it. Somehow, somehow they made it work. They made it work in a big way where, all these years, years later, regardless of album sales, regardless of the state of the music business, regardless of how, you know, if they have singles out or not, or if they, their singles are even in the charts, they're going to sell out arenas. That's, that's, their fan base is there, guaranteed, because, you, because when, you come see, when you go see Rush, you know what you're getting. You're, get, you're getting this, this band that sounds like no other band that's been doing it the way they want to do it. And it creates, it also creates an insane amount of respect and loyalty with their fans too. You know, it's like, you've got to go see Rush. You know, they're going to play these amazing songs. You know, they're amazing. They're going to sound amazing. They're not going to screw around. They're going to show up on time and kick ass and they're going to have fun doing it and be impressive from top to bottom in so many ways. And, you know, play songs that everybody loves. And, and you'll be uh, in the audience, uh, the audience that is the, the, the most, uh, drum fill oriented audience in the world you will not go to another concert and see as many <laughs> fans air drumming the fills all night long you know exactly. yeah man so it's a bummer it's a bummer that neil's gone but you know at the same time what he left behind is 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 uh you know i don't know is exponentially greater than what most people do definitely you mentioned earlier uh, moving pictures and exit stage left i mean What's your go-to Rush album, and, and how old were you when, you when you got into it? Yeah, I was 12. I was in seventh grade, and uh, it was Tom Sawyer. That was the first song, and then the, immediately after, Limelight. So it was all about moving pictures. Mm -hmm. I'd say, even though I love all the old records, I mean, I love Caress of Steel, you know, Hemispheres, Thrill of the Kings, Fly By Night. I mean, there's, there's great stuff on all the records, but my favorite, <clears throat> actually, I would say my favorite is Exit Stage Left, because it gave you, it was post moving pictures. So you had some moving picture songs on it, but you also had the, the, the epic old songs, some, some killer rockers from you know, the prior records. And uh, the, I love the sound of, of Exit Stays Left. I love the sound of Neil's drums. To me, I mean, you know, I, it, it's almost an insult. You go, oh, that, to me, that's him peaking. But I don't mean like he wasn't amazing after, because he did amazing stuff after. I'm just saying, like, he hit this place with his tr this tuning. Everything was still completely organic. He wasn't into the electronics yet. And the keyboards weren't, you know, to that next level of keyboards in their production where, it you know, kind of, even Alex said it kind of took over, uh, you know, the, the, the sonic space for his guitar on the records. You know, they weren't there yet. And, they, and you know, they, they were still, they, were, they had radio-friendly songs, but there was still this, uh, you know, this fire behind those songs, progress 
massive fire, I should say. And uh, so I just love everything about it. It's a stage left because it's just, man, that, that, those are live performances. That's Getty singing live. That's the band playing live. I don't know. I'd be surprised for somebody to tell me, yeah, there's some edits in there. You know, like I just, I don't think so because you listen to Rush bootlegs and that's how they sound. That's what you get. But yeah, so my favorite record is, and it's one of my favorite live records of all time is Exit Stage Left. Well, you mentioned the, the drum solo on Exit What's your favorite Neil drum part from a studio song? Oh, drum part from it? I, I would have to go... <laughs> I would have to say the breakdown guitar solo section in, in La Via Strangiato. It, 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 I never heard a drum beat like that in my life. I, I was like, and I still put it on. I go, how badass to come up with that groove. If you don't know that song, if you're listening, just check it out. And it's, it's not like it's this technically crazy thing to play. It's the vibe that he set with that. With, with that groove at that tempo, starting out nice and quiet and light and building into complete insanity. I mean, the song itself is insane, but just to get into the middle of it and break that down in that way, playing in an odd time singer. I mean, the beats. It's like, <laughs> come on, like, where where'd that come from, man? I wish I thought of that, you know? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's probably, there's so many great ones. There are, so, I mean, I could go on forever about, you know, killer deal grooves and fills and beats and all that. But I, I just think that that's the one that's like, that just, it stopped me. Like as a seventh grade kid, like who thinks of this? Jesus, this guy's a God, you know, it was just like beyond my comprehension behind a drum kit, you know? Changing gears a little bit. It was recently announced that you're returning to Lynch Mob. Is that just for some shows? Or are you like, are you the drummer? Of Lynch Mob now currently? <clears throat> yeah, uh, it, it was uh, not. I mean, I've, I've been in Lynch Mob before. I think I'm on one, at least one record. I've done various things with with George over the years. Man, like Sweet and Lynch and TNN and Lynch Mob. And I think there's maybe something else, but but uh, yeah, he just uh, gave me a call and told me what was going on and and. Um, it's a, it's a blast playing that stuff. And Oni, Oni, Logan, the original singer, he's, he's back in singing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so that's great. And, and, uh, usually I wouldn't say it like this, but it's kind of funny. Uh, it is the 30th anniversary of the release of Wicked Sensation. And we are playing that record in its entirety. <laughs> I had to remind George, I was like, dude, when did that come out? He's like, Oh, I don't remember. I was like, and I looked it up. I'm like, dude, it's 1990. You know, this is the 30th year. You've got to do an anniversary thing with that, you know, man? Like, pump it up, man. 30 years later, you're still out there doing it. And Oni's in the band now, you know? <clears throat> He's like, yeah, that's a good idea. So that, so I'm going to take full credit for that. Um, but, but, yeah, so we're doing, doing the, that, the record in, in its entirety. And, uh, but uh, there's, there's shows. I'm, I'm do, that's my three-thing juggle. It's like I'll be doing Lynch Mob. And we're not doing like out on the road for two months kind of tours. It's a lot of, you know, weekends here and there. And you know, we're opening up for Dawkins and George Jans with Dawkins and all that stuff. It's, I think they're adding shows as, as, as we speak, you know. And uh, so I'm doing that. And I'm also, I've got my, my new band, Silverthorn, which comes out, the EP comes out February 21st. So being a brand new band, it's, you know, it's, a, it's an uphill battle. And, and uh, you've got to, you know, find a way to make a brand new band happen also. I love playing drums and, and I, and I love paying my bills on time. So I got to work, <laughs> you know, so it's a balance. And, uh, and then in October, November, I go back to Japan with this band that I was with since last summer for, I go there for two months and, and tour with them, uh, a band called bees. They're the Japan's biggest rock band. So, so those are like the three things, you know, and, and, uh, I don't know, ask, ask uh, any musicians. It's like these days, uh, you know, unless you're, you're, fortunate enough to have your one band that you started and you're successful and that's all you do. That's, that's awesome. I mean, that's what I've always wanted, but if that's not the case, well, I'm not going to sit here and cry about it. I'm going to sit here and try to have fun playing drums and do it as much as I can before, before I'm not here anymore. And one of them would be the the top priority would be to see Silverthorn uh, get somewhere for real and become its own entity and, and, and uh, sustain itself. And uh, in, and while I'm working on that, you know, I gotta, you know, have have fun playing some drums and uh, 
you know, go out and do some stuff with George and then go to Japan and, you know, you know, everything else I do when I'm not out playing live. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of what we were going to wind down on was the Silverthorn EP. We're, uh, we're definitely looking forward to that. Yeah, so are we, man. It's been like, it's like, wow, man, we've been talking about it for a long time, a couple singles out. It's only a five-song EP, but, you know, we're, we're hoping, we've seen one review, I guess, you know, there's, there's, you know, it's being sent out for review, and now we're getting ready to do some press and all that stuff. <clears throat> but it was a, a great review, and, and uh, you know, I'm not expecting it to change the world or anything. I'm just hoping that it's, it creates a, a solid fan base and gives us, which, which then creates more opportunity for us to get out there, you know? Yeah, I hope, uh, I mean, I know that's, with all the stuff you got going on, you kind of already mentioned it, it's probably an uphill battle to be able to plan shows with Silverthorne, but hopefully you guys can make that happen. Oh, no, we're definitely going to, you know, it's just, it's just a matter of, you know, it's not like, like I said, with, with Lynch Mob, there's weekends, and it's not every single weekend, and, you know, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but it's not like every single weekend nonstop for, you know, eight months, but... um <clears throat> that's what I'll do. And, and, uh, but if, you know, things change, you know, like there might be a gap here or there and, or a time that doesn't get filled and we may be able to, you know, plan ahead around that with, as Silverthorne. And, uh, you never know, man, if, if I, if I play my cards right and kiss enough ass, maybe Silverthorne will be out there opening up for these shows with Bob and Doc. And <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, we'll see you at, uh, Mob in Rocklahoma in May. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's that's I. I asked George. I think well, I did Rocklahoma a long time ago with White Snake uh, in 2011, and I thought I did it one other time with George because I remember being at a festival in the U.S. and Rat was playing, and I was watching Rat on the side of the stage, and I know I, I'm like, and I asked George like, and he's done a bunch of these. He's like, and you know, there's you had M3 and Rocklahoma and stuff, and or, and I. I, maybe I played him three two with White Snake. Anyhow, I've, I've played it before, but it's been a while. So, and it's always fun to go play those, play those festivals with a bunch of bands. You're, uh, you know, you're friends with a bunch of the guys in the bands. It's always great to see everybody, and, and so it's like you know, it's a party within a party. And uh, we're also doing the same thing. At the end of this uh, this weekend, we leave for the Monsters of Rock cruise, and that's our first first couple couple shows we're doing. So we have rehearsals uh, the next couple of days. With uh, Michael Devon on bass for the Monsters of Rock Cruise. Michael is in White Snake, and he's been in White Snake since I was there back. We joined together in 2010, and uh, wow, he's been there a decade. Whoa! <laughs> All right, and uh, uh, wow, man, that's ten years gone by. See, man, you you got to make you know, you can't sit around and dilly dally, man. And ten years goes by, you know, <laughs> you got to make make decisions and go for shit before you know it. You're going, whoa, what year was that? And then uh, Michael's got to go back. He's leaving like right from the cruise to White Snake in Australia. And then uh, um, Robbie Crane from Rat, uh, <laughs> Rat from Blackstone. We already talked about Rat. Well, he was in Rat when I saw Rat years ago. But Robbie <laughs> yeah. Crane was in Blackstar Riders. Robbie's going to be doing uh, bass with us for a, 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 I don't know, a few months until Blackstar Riders starts up, which is great because I played in Lynch Mob with Michael Devon and with Robbie Crane before. They're both killer. Both great guys, great bass players. So I'm psyched to, you know, do the cruise with Devin and then uh, get out with Robbie. And 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 to make it an even, you know, now we're getting way off track here. But I just got off the phone. I literally got off the phone with Robbie today uh, and said, dude, I got to I have an interview in like six minutes. I got to go. And um, we were talking about this gig that just ended up happening. We're doing it uh, uh, February 21st. And in Vegas at this club vamped and I had, I was trying to get another gig there, but if it was actually, I was trying to get a Farrell of the Kings to do a show there, but we, three of us could do it. One of us couldn't, he couldn't get out of his schedule. So I was going to like cancel the, you know, that night, like, okay, you know, I can't do anything, but I started thinking, what, you know, what could I do, man? I want to, you know, I had a night there, you know, I, was gonna, I wanted to have fun and go do play rush. It's not going to happen now. And my, my wife reminded me of something years ago I, I had talked about with, with John Karabi. I think we were on tour with, together, and it was like the end of the tour, and we said this idea, which never happened. And my wife brought it up. I was like, wait, that could be fun. So we, we ended up working out. February 21st in Vegas at Vamp. We're called the Bootleggers. It's myself, John Karabi, Robbie Crane on bass, 
Christian Christian Brady from Hell Yeah on guitar and Jimmy Burkhardt from my buddy Chaz Westbound, Westbound on guitar. We are the bootleggers playing all of Aerosmith's live bootleg in its entirety plus a bunch more. <laughs> wow. Well, you got to throw the M80s in there, man. <laughs> oh, 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 you mean at the end of Trink and Rolling? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man, dude, that's like, I know I'm just sitting here bullshitting at this point, but <laughs> you know, and I'm glad we got to, we talked about our Farewell to Kings and, and, and Neil Peart and how important he is and how much it means to us and Huck Finn coming out and the whole thing about behind that and talked about other stuff. But yeah, it's just, it's just, you know, sometimes it, things work out. It's like, you know, I called the, the club, they, they had a night, we could have done Rush, it didn't work out with the guys. So I made a few other calls and it ends up Krabi's coming out to LA that week and we're going to do a little rehearsal and we're all going to go out to Vegas and do the show. But it's, but yeah, man, like, Exit Stage Left, one of my favorite uh, live records of all time. And there are so many great live records, but ones that jump into my head first would be that and Live Bootleg. That's the first live, yeah. the first record I got of Aerosmith when, when I was 10 years old. I, yeah, I, loved, I love it. I love the vibe. I know they're all playing everything fast and the guys don't like it. I don't care. I love it. I love the sound of it. I love the spirit and I love the tunes. And, uh, you know, we all do. So we, we, we ended up, that's what we're doing, the bootleggers. So you... All the live bootleg. We talked about Exit Stage Left. I completely love it. Kiss Alive. That was probably my first live record, which is most people, you know, my age are like, yeah, it's all about Kiss Alive, which it is a freaking amazing record. Then, of course, you got Tommy the same. And you know what's great? You guys didn't even ask me, hey, Brian, what are your favorite live records? I'm just telling you. <laughs> That's great. It's like, it. imagine, imagine you're like 20 minutes later, you're like, he's just answered five separate questions and spoke for, on each subject for four minutes and we didn't even ask him the question. And those, those are the best ones, man. We appreciate that. <laughs> well, maybe someday. Because every, you know, when you do that live record talk, you go to your favorite ones, you always forget others and you go, oh, like people go top five favorites. And then you, you think you got it and then you forget like, let's just say Judas Priest on these knees. I love it. It's probably not my favorite, but I did grow up on it. But you might forget Frantic Comes Alive. It's like, oh, my God. You know, like, come on, man. That's got to be up there. But Or Cheap Trick Live Budokan. You know what I mean? And then, yeah. then, then one of your friends throws in, like, a live record from a band that you weren't hardcore on, but it's, like, a really big band. Like, maybe, well, nobody ever throws in the, like, wasn't it? What was the live Sabbath one? Was it li live at last? The one with Ozzy, not with Dio, but the one with Ozzy. Was that live at last or live evil? I think live evil was Dio. Yeah, live evil was and then, Dio. Yeah, and live, yeah. And live at last. Yeah, you're right. Was Ozzy? Yeah, and no, okay. You know, nobody ever talks about that one. You know, for some reason that just never, you know, grabbed it. Now people should talk about Ozzy Osbourne tribute with Randy because that's badass. But I always forget about that one. Another one I always forget about is, um, oh, see, I just, I just forgot. Oh, ACDC, if you want blood, you got it. I grew up on that eight track. You know, these are, so like, it's hard, <laughs> yeah. man. Like, when I think about all this, it's like, I don't even know. Sometimes I don't even know if Song Me's the Same would go in my top five and Zeppelin's my favorite band. I love it. But there's so many other, like, great, like, you got to go, like, you know, for what reasons do you love the live record? Just because it's your favorite band, Led Zeppelin, and or is it because you love listening to the live Days Confused, which I do, but it's like 26 minutes to one side of the record, and you might get five songs from Aerosmith with some killer live versions on that same side. But nobody else is pulling off Days Confused like Zeppelin, you know what no, I mean? No. So <laughs> you got to give it to them. <clears throat> but yeah, so anyways, maybe one day we just do a whole, you know, best of live records. Interview conversation. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> cool, man. Well, thanks for taking the time to do this with us. No, no problem at all, man. Thanks for uh, all the good questions and uh, keeping, uh, you know, jumping from uh, to a few different subjects, getting it all in there. Right on. Well, yeah, we appreciate it. Thank you. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. There you go. Brian Tishy of Silverthorn, A Farewell to Kings, and Lynch Mob, which I don't know why I forgot to mention that up front when we were talking about the Rocklahoma lineup with DEB concerts, but yeah. They're going to be on the Roadhouse stage. Yeah, Brian Tishy is a part of Lynch Mob once again. He was probably like 10 years ago or so. So check that out as well. And they're, yeah. they're recording a new album or should be out this year. I don't know if he, I don't know if that was recorded before he came on board or what's going on there. We should ask, but 
You you need to get uh, like a, a a Thunder Underground prize pack and give it to him. That's right, I will. You need to. Okay. I'm sure you can make that happen. Yeah, I will. Okay. There you go. That's a great idea. Hopefully, I'll remember us. <laughs> a huge thank you to Jody Best of Best Bet Promotions, of course. And then as well, a huge thank you to Brian Tishy for joining us once again. I'm sure that won't be the last time. I hope not. It sounded like, you know, there at the end of the interview, he had a good time. Oh, it was super fun. He's he's an awesome guy to talk to. Yeah, we're talking about live albums, which I didn't. That fucking. You know how much much I wanted to, like, do this every time someone brings up live albums? I wanted to fucking. I want to throw you under the bus. Throw me under the goddamn bus, just (laughs) like you did Night Demon. Thanks. (laughs) Well, they. Asshole. I knew I could do it with them because they know you. Yeah. You're cool. But, like, since we were on a phone (laughs) call and it was someone that you didn't personally know. Yes. I thought, I'm not going to say, hey, Jason here doesn't care about live Hates albums. Hates live albums. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Unless it's live shit, binge and purge, you know. But not even that one. I know, I was joking. Um, um, <laughs> but, you know, the the whole fucking the bootleggers thing. I mean, that's yeah. kind of cool, though. You know, hey, we're going we're gonna to fucking play this whole shit in its entirety. And Holy fuck. he's doing it with one of my favorite vocalists of all time. Oh, uh, yeah, Karabi. Who? He used to be a band member with in the Dead Daisies. The Dead Daisies. I mean, there's fuck. another Brian Tushy. It's product. all it's it's all cyclical, isn't it? That's right. <laughs> so yeah, if you're a, a fan of all this stuff we've mentioned, like White Snake and Lynch Mob and that kind of stuff, we've had on a lot of artists from bands like we just recently, just last week. Frank Cannon from Tesla returned to the podcast. That was awesome. We've had on Mark Slaughter. We've had on Chuck Garrick, who is Alice Cooper's bass player, and he's also in Bisto Blanco. We've had on Joey Allen of Warrant way back. We've had on Ian Hoglin of Europe, Mark Torian of the Bullet Boys. We've had on Bill Leverty from Firehouse, Mark Gus Scott from Trickster, Steve Blaze of Lillian Axe, Chris Green of Taiketo. That's a good one. Oh, yeah, Taiketo. You know what I always thought was funny about the Ian Hoglin thing, from the guy from Europe? He didn't even know there's an interview. Remember? I forgot about that. And yeah. the guy was like, "Oh yeah, let me go tell him." And he 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 had no idea, but he was like, "Ah, cool, whatever." Yeah, that he was sat nuts. down and did it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like right in the middle of him, you know, answering texts or whatever he was doing. Yeah, yeah, he was just sitting on the couch hanging out. Yeah, yeah, that that was that was a good one. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, I think well, first off, he's been in Europe for thirty some years. Yeah, or at this point, thirty five. So like, he's a professional, but he yeah, also. True. He also has his own radio show, so that's probably part he, of like he does, doesn't he? That's probably part of it. He's like, well, you know, I understand, so yeah, maybe yeah. that's part of why it was so cool about it. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> you know, it's yeah. We definitely met way more cool people than not cool people. <laughs> 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 We've also had on guys from Seven Dust, Shine Down, Drowning Pool. We've had on Gene Simmons of Kiss. I mean, what the fuck? That's right. Had on guys from Megadeth. Right now, it's Dave Elson, Chris Broderick, and James Lomenzo. Yeah. And James Lomenzo has been in two bands with this man you just listened to, Brian Tishy. That's right. That's Pride right. and Glory and Slash of Snake Pit. Exactly. We've also had on Shooter Jennings. That was a great one. Right. All over the place. And guess what? Coming up, we've got a couple great interviews with Mike Mostert, who is the owner of Go-Go Tuners, who he put out an album that includes a lot of the guitarists that are on his roster of artists for Go-Go Tuners, as well as a ton of other, you know, artists as well to make up the rest of the album. And it's like a compilation album of all these artists together performing like all different genres. It's a great album you need to check out. It's called Mike Mostert and the Go-Go Tuner Family Band. Check that out on Spotify. Give it a listen. He'll be coming soon. We've also got Joe Flint of Asphalt Valentine, another great band that's got a new album coming out here in just a couple weeks. So that'll be coming soon as well. And we've also got a couple other surprises in the works as always. Of course. So hit us up on all our socials and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Subscribe at The Thunder Underground. When you're on any of that stuff, like, share, comment. All that stuff helps us greatly because it helps spread the word. You can listen to everything on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, MixCloud, and on our website, 
BeatdownOnTheGround.com. You can also find all the socials there as well. Reviews, videos, all that great stuff. So yeah, that's that covered, I think, right? I think so. I think that does it. Yeah, so if you're a Rush fan, thanks for listening. We've never had on Getty Lee or Alex Lifeson, or even Neil Peart for that matter. But one day, I think we'll have on Getty Lee. That would be amazing. Yeah, because I think, you know, at some point here in the next few years, he's going to do a tour where he's playing theaters. He'll come to the Brady Theater in Tulsa, and we'll get to sit down with him for 20 minutes. <laughs> and there you go. Uh, I've you got it what? all mapped out in my head. I like that you just, you at least put it out in the ether. Yeah. So it will, it will happen. If something happens where we stop doing this podcast, but then that does happen where he does a tour, well, we're going to start the goddamn show up again. Just for so one we can extra episode. Well, fuck yeah. I mean, it's Getty Lee. <laughs> That's right. So, it, I mean, either way, it's happening. You, you just said it. So it, yeah. it, it is done. That's right. Oh, and one other thing. We've already put this out there. I put it out there again, since this is a Rush-centric episode, is that coming soon in the next year or two, we shall do a Rush every album in a row with oh, Mike, fuck. with yeah. Michael Davis. Yeah, well, we have to. I mean, that's going to be, fuck, <laughs> what an undertaking. So that's another pack you know, of lunch, man. Yeah, random thing to throw in real quick. If you're not familiar, we do a thing called Every Album in a Row every once in a while where we basically listen to a band's entire catalog in order, you know, on our own and then come together and, you know, just talk about all the music, how it flowed together and how the band progressed and all that great stuff. We've done it with a lot of big time people like Kiss and Van Halen, Ozzy. Guns N' Roses, Metallica, Megadeth, Motley Crue, and more. I'm drawing a blank. Alice in Chains, Stone Temple Pilots. Just do a search for that if that kind of thing interests you. So, Did you, did you like that Vince Neil Farrell video? I still haven't watched it. Oh, you got to fucking watch this shit. Yeah, I know I'm, what you're I'm talking not, about. I'm not fucking kidding you. Yeah. <laughs> you turn this off, go watch it. Okay. It, you're going to laugh. <laughs> I figure. <laughs> <sighs> All right, once again, thank you to Medfarm, DEB Concerts, and of course, Brian Tishy. Check out Silverthorne's EP on February 28th. And until next time. Thunder Underground, y'all.